welcome to this episode of The Language Lounge. I'm Michelle Ola, and in this episode, I had the chance to talk with international world languages superstar Joe Dale. Joe has spent the last 20 months putting together hundreds of professional development opportunities for world language educators around the world to help teachers navigate the changing educational landscape and still stay focused on good teaching and learning. It was great talking to Joe about some of his projects, and I got to learn some really great tech tools to support language learning, whether you're teaching virtually or in person. Joe is very active on Twitter and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions at all, tag at Joe Dale. And as always, you can reach me at Michelle Ola or at Lang Lounge Pod. Thank you for listening. Hello, welcome to the Language Lounge. My name is Michelle, and today I am extremely excited here to have Joe Dale with me. Thank you so much for coming. So we're going to have some fun conversations today. Well, as fun as you can talking about, you know, global pandemics and things like that, right? But uh, one of the things we are going to talk about is just you know, you're the ed tech guru, in my opinion. You are one of those that I have followed since I honestly started teaching. I, you know, back in the early 2000s, I don't know if you know this, but a friend of mine uh, and I actually had a little world languages uh, consulting technology company that we did trainings and we did things like that, uh, very similar to what you're doing. Um, And, you know, you were one of those people very early on that I absolutely admired. So I really appreciate you being here. This is a lot of fun for me. So one of the things we wanted to kind of leap off and start with is, wow, I heard you say in an, in a, a podcast, I think it was, that can you imagine if this pandemic happened 10 years ago and what things would have been like? And so I think considering the timing of the pandemic, as far as our place with ed- educational technology, we got kind of lucky, didn't we? Uh, because a lot of what you did, and I want you to kind of tell us about some of the things you did to really, really support teachers on the ground in the classroom when this pandemic happened and all of the things that you have done to support them, um, that really wouldn't have been very possible or easy to do even 10 years ago, right? So why don't you tell us a little bit about how, what happened when the pandemic happened? Where were you, what were you doing before that? And how has things changed since then with what you are putting into the world as far as ed tech and world languages um, in, the, in the community? Okay, well, first of all, thank you ever so much for your kind words, uh, Michelle. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I've very much enjoyed following you for many, many years. Um, I remember meeting you face to face at one of the ACTFULs. I did both the ACTFULs, well, two ACTFULs in a row, one in 2013, one in 2014. I think it was the 2013 one, if I remember correctly. Um, but uh, it was lovely to, to meet you there face to face. And yeah, so I think that's a great point um, about uh, um, about um, what would, would you have done if the pandemic had happened 10 years ago? Um, and I think I think you're exactly right. I think, uh, you know, however lucky one could be in this situation, I think that we were lucky um, having the 
having the, the the tech where it's now having uh, certainly faster internet connection speeds, and I appreciate that not everyone is lucky enough to have a fast internet connection speed. But I think in relation to uh, generally speaking, being able to do um, live Zoom lessons and uh, and all the things that people have wanted to do with video, I think uh, if that had happened ten years ago, can you imagine it? Just would have been very, 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 very difficult indeed. Yeah, so it was hard as it with. was, right? But it would have been almost impossible, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So my my sort of background about how I reacted to the pandemic, first of all, as as everybody, um, you know, uh, panicked a little bit. I, I had a little moment to myself thinking, OK, everything that's in my diary for the like the next six months has suddenly been wiped out in in the matter of a couple of days. Um, what am I going to do? So for those people that don't know, I, I was a languages teacher, so I taught um French for 13 years, three years at secondary school level, and then 10 years at middle school level. So I've got that sort of, if you like, kudos that I was a, I was a teacher for all those years. I've not just suddenly done a little bit of teaching and then gone out. I, I taught for 13 years. And um, and yeah, I, I uh, for the last 10, 11 years, I've been a, an independent languages consultant, and I normally travel around the world and running training and speaking at conferences. But because of the pandemic, I had to uh, pivot. I think the word uh, is right. pivot <laughs> and be flexible and think, okay, how can I uh, do what I do, but do it online? And I know lots of people have had to do that. And I, and I feel incredibly fortunate to be in a profession uh, or to have the skills that allow allowed me to do that. Whereas if I was in another domain, such as if I was a musician, for example, I wouldn't have been anywhere near as lucky. And I, I really feel for those people who have, uh, absolutely relied on face-to-face contact, um, particularly in the um, in the hospitality industry and, and so on and so forth. So I feel very lucky. But yes, that said, um, where, when when one is back, one when one's uh, back is against the wall, you sort of think, okay, is it uh, fight or flight? And I decided to fight, and I decided to. And we are glad, grateful that you did. <laughs> many, many, many teachers are grateful that you did. <laughs> So, so tell us uh, so some the, of the things you've done, <laughs> yeah. So essentially, um, myself and my friend uh, Helen Myers, who is the chair of the London branch of the Association for Language Learning, which is the equivalent of uh, ACFL, but on a much smaller level, um, we both literally in the first couple of days of the, of the pandemic, or when we went into the first lockdown, both came up with the same idea, which was to... Uh, create a series of webinars, um, which we decided to call uh, TILT, which stands for Technology and Language Teaching. And that's because we had a face-to-face event, which um, uh, we'd been organizing at uh, Helen's school uh, for the last couple of years, which was also called TILT. And because that was not going to be possible to happen, we thought, okay, we'll use the same name and we'll make some some webinars. Um because um, AWL, the Associated Language Learning London branch, they'd been doing webinars for uh, quite a few years, but it was probably one every three months, four months, five months. So it wasn't on a regular basis. When we started the Tilt webinars, we were doing two a week. <laughs> yeah, that the pandemic really accelerated what some organizations or people were already doing, right? But that definitely um, accelerated things, which is a, a sign of what was needed at that time, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then because, um, as you know, as we sort of mentioned already, um, I've been connected with uh, teachers from literally all over the world for many, many years. And so I thought, okay, this is an opportunity now 
to uh, contact people um, from the States, from Australia, from the Middle East, from all over Europe and say, would you be willing to do a Tilt webinar for us to share your expertise, to share your good practice? And because um, jokingly, I, you know, I was referred to as the chief scout. So I was the, the person who did all the contacts and, and organized um, the um, the different you know the content. So I would think, okay, so I think we need to do something on screencasting. I'll contact this person. I think we need to do something on the power of Twitter. I'll contact this person, and so on and so forth. Um, and then Helen, uh, it was very much a team effort. Um, Helen would then create the web pages, set up the Zoom, set up the Eventbrite, uh, and yeah, and and from the start of the pandemic. Uh, up until last night when we had Dr. Florencia Henshaw, uh, we've done over 140 webinars. Wow. That <laughs> since is March 2020. amazing. That is amazing. And who are some of the the names that um, some of the listeners might know? I know Heidi Trude was one of your speakers. What did she talk on? Okay, so Heidi Trude, um, that's a very good question. She oh, I don't, talked, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah if, she if, about, if you had that many, you probably don't have them all memorized. Talk, no, no, I'm, I'm pretty good on my memory. That's what's, <laughs> oh, wow. That's, it really helps with um, with language learning, as we all know. But yeah, so right. Heidi talked about Flipgrid and virtual reality, um, which is wow. really cool. We've had um, we've had people that have appeared on your podcast. That was another reason why I wanted to get in contact and say, can I come yeah. on the podcast, please? Um and yeah, we had Catherine, uh, right? Uh, Catherine Ucelin, who, who of course is a is an absolute legend, yes. and uh, she talked about uh, well, she could, t- could have talked about so many different things, but I asked her to talk about um, social bookmarking and how to collect your resources together because she does such amazing work with the um, uh, A-A- uh, AATF yeah, and yes. with ACFL for for curating content and helping teachers. Um, pulling things together. We had Carmen Scoggins, who talked about um, motivation. We've had, you know, all the, well, most, I would say, most of the obvious names in the US who are world language educators who regularly speak at conferences. Um, lots of them I, I contacted. Not everybody, but, um, awesome. but if you listen to this and you'd like to do a Tilt webinar and I haven't <laughs> asked you, feel free to get in touch. <laughs> I love it. And um, these are available still? Uh, yes. yes. So there's two there's two main places to find um, the content. Basically, uh, if you just want the recordings, if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, which is Joe Dale 100, 100 as in the figures, 100, then all the recordings are there plus hours and hours of other webinars that I've done for um, uh, normally for say for conferences or for associations Um, and then if you go to the ALL London uh, website if you do a search for ALL London webinars then you will um, uh, go to the the WordPress site and then there's the webinar section and you can then um, see the forthcoming ones and then if you go down before the, um, the, the the forthcoming ones, you can see all the archive. And so what Helen very um, industrially has done is she has created one web page per, per presentation, per speaker. Wow. So it means that you've got, if, if this speaker has kindly shared the presentation with us and there's no obligation to do that, that will be there. Um, we put the chat there as well from the Zoom uh, session. We uh, put the recording there, and then any other any other notes, um, say the description and the the bio and that sort of content. So it's all it's all there, and there's there's hours and hours and hours. I mean, I would imagine every single every single 
tool that you could think about that could be used in a remote teaching context, a hybrid teaching context, or a face-to-face context, we've covered. Yeah. Um, and, and some that I've never heard of. I'm pretty ed techie. And some of them, when I'm looking through this, I'm like, ooh, I'm like, I could go down a rabbit hole big time <laughs> yeah. because I'm like, ooh. And I think part of, like you said, you know, you have an international perspective and view. So some of the things that might be very common, you know, Flipgrid, Flippity, Booklet, you know, Book It, all those things here in the US, I'm like, there's a lot of things over in the UK and in different parts of the world that are, you know, different. So I, I, saw a bunch of them that I'm like, wow, this is fancy. You know, this is amazing. So it's got something for everyone, right? Some of those standard must have in your toolbox sort of things. Um, and those kind of maybe pushing the envelope sort of, you know, innovative, highly innovative things. So I yeah, think that's, yeah. um, that's a, a great, a great sort of a mix. So I think, I think that's absolutely true. And I, I carefully planned out certainly the, the beginning um, of the series in the sense that of um, we started off with um, uh, some ide- some um, webinars around Microsoft tools, because a lot of people certainly in the UK use Microsoft Teams, and they'd, they'd maybe never used it before, never taught using it before. So we had some sessions around that. Um, likewise, we had sessions about how to set up Google Classroom, um, but de- but delivered by real experts in their field. So what I try to do is I, I try to draw on my own knowledge of who would be really good at such and such a topic and then contact them. And then they, yeah. So we, and then we had ideas around, say, screencasting. And then we mm-hmm. got more um, creative and adventurous. And we did things around, say, virtual reality, as I mentioned. Um, we had a whole, you know, a set of webinars, probably about three, four, five around um, breakout rooms and escape rooms because, um I think after a few months, a lot of a lot of teachers who were coming to the the talk webinars, who were sort of like regulars, were um, ha- had felt that you know they they got their handle on good tools for using for for basic um, delivery of content, and then they were looking for more creative ideas, and that's why I think uh, escape rooms and breakout rooms went down really well, and also ideas around doing virtual um, trips using say Bitmojis and making Google Slides, and and so. I remember there was a um, a teacher, Leanne Adderley, who uh, wasn't able to go to Germany with her students, so she made a virtual equivalent of that. And so she had her lovely, you know, slides with um, uh, authentic images, with embedded YouTube clips of what it was like to be, you know, walking down a street and somewhere in, say, Berlin. Uh, the, the students could get virtual passports. It was really creative, and I wow. think I think that there were lots of teachers that were inspired by that, and in a way as well, because all the madness that was happening at the time, I think that feeling of community, which was already there with the MFL Twitter RT anyway, was, was, um, uh, w- w- seemed to be even more important. I think that I remember one person, um, Julia Morris, uh, who's appeared on the, on the tilt webinar saying, can I be honest and just say, I've just sort of come along for the company. So I think she knew about oh, the, the yeah. content already, but she just liked being in a room with say a hundred people. Cause at the beginning we were regularly getting a hundred people per webinar. Whereas, yeah. Uh, it's really sort of, you know, um, tailed off now, although we had 65 for Forencia last night, which is amazing. But yeah, so it, it, we just tried to to, to to meet a need. And um, I know how much uh, teachers appreciated what we did. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that brings us to another point beyond, um, you know, the the problems with the pandemic. Some of those, like we said, pandemic perks, um, I think... EdTech has been pushed ahead 
many years, you know, because of this pandemic, uh, don't you think? Like, I mean, I think about teachers, you didn't really have to know your learning management system, like not really deep. You could kind of comply. You could kind of, you know, do technology or play around with it if you felt like it, but it really wasn't essential. And then just like you and your your full calendar going to an empty calendar, right? The your the the world changed like in an instant, right? And with all of the obviously very stressful things that happened with that, there's also been a lot of growth that I don't think would have happened. Like in that this ed tech industry and ed tech with world languages, um, you know, you know, for a long time, <laughs> you know, it's been, you know, kind of at the same sort of place. So I do feel like teachers are really, there's just been such growth and such community um, that, that really was because of a lot of what you've done, other organizations have done, and that is providing, you know, free or inexpensive professional development that had, that everyone had the could access right not just if you could travel someplace or you could go, afford to go to a conference you know there's been such an amount of high quality free professional development um and i i wonder in the future you know what conferences are going to do so i i my job i also travel i traveled a lot pre-pandemic to do in-person pd and you know i wonder how things are going to be in the future. Do you have any um, idea if people are going to want to go back to in-person, like some of the clients or the customers you work with? Um, I know that there's a lot of debate about conferences, you know, in-person, virtual, hybrid, you know, uh, that sort of thing, um, as well as, you know, people do need to make a living. And so with, um, with professional development, you know, they're, you know, people can't do it forever for free and they shouldn't, right? Provide it. I mean, people provided a service um, when it was really a crisis. Uh, same with organizations are having the same conversation. Like how do we, I mean, it sounds terrible, but how can we make this sustainable? Because we can't make it sustainable if we can't charge for conferences, that sort of thing, or professional development. So what are your kind of thoughts on some of that? Yeah, so um, I think all those all those points are really important. Um, so let me start off by um, the attitudes, let's say, of um, world language educators as a result of having to use technology to, uh, in the first instance, to remote teach and then pivot to hybrid teaching and then a mixture of the of the two. Um, I think that the the conversation that um, was happening before the pandemic was much smaller compared to the conversation now. What I mean by that is the number of people who uh, were really into talking about ed tech um, in the States, people like Catherine Usalam, people yeah. like yourself, Carmen Scoggins, and the people that, we, that, we've, that we've heard about already. Um, it was our little club, as it were. And then suddenly, um, because of the pandemic, these conversations were getting much, much bigger. And uh, I can remember, for example, a couple of Facebook groups that that um, sprang up. Uh, in addition to the obvious ones, which have been around for years and years, things like uh, teaching MFL with Teams. So, for those people that don't know what MFL stands for, that's Modern Foreign Languages. So, teaching MFL with Teams is a Facebook group which um, uh, a friend of mine, Jenna Riley Turner, set up. Um, I think at the start of the pandemic, and I think within no time at all, within a couple of weeks, it had like five thousand members. And then, likewise, Amazing. with Google. 
There's uh, Samantha Broom, who did the Tilt webinar for us on setting up Google Classroom. She has a Facebook group called Google Classroom for MFL Teachers, and that has 3,000 members. Yeah. And these are all, you know, lovely people reacting to the pandemic, putting their expertise out there, sharing ideas, and then people then saying, yes, yes, you know, give me some of that, give me some of that. And um, if I was being completely honest, I sometimes, um, in relation to going to those groups, sometimes I'd have to just close the laptop because there's only so many questions one can deal with without thinking, okay, I could answer that, but I'm just too tired. Yes. You know, but, 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 you know, I, I always would just then direct people to the Tilt webinars or um, saying people can contact me on Twitter. But when you go to these places and all they're talking about is ed tech and all they're talking about is how do I uh, share a PowerPoint and you can hear the audio in Microsoft Teams, which was a question that was coming up quite a lot. And I think, um, as I said before, one of the silver linings of the pandemic is the way, as you said, Michelle, that people have come together and, and helped. And I think that yes. the, for the ed tech companies themselves, I think the amount of data that they've had as a result of the pandemic is probably the equivalent of what they would normally get, say, over 10 years, because so many people have been using their their tools, particularly, you know, Google, Microsoft, Zoom, etc. So many people have been using their tools, they've been able to really get, I would imagine, a deep dive into exactly what is uh, what is popular, what is needed, features which um, are not used enough, therefore they may go in the future. Those sorts of those sorts of things, I think, are are really important. And then in relation to what you were saying about um, making things sustainable, that also is an incredibly important point, particularly if you're a freelancer, um, mm-hmm. as I am. Um, and just to be very clear to everyone, I'm, I'm sure that people realize this, but all the Tilt webinars I did completely for free. They're all available for free. I didn't charge AWL anything for my time. I've spent hours and hours and hours doing all of that because morally it felt the right thing to do as opposed to charging for webinars from March 2020. So yes, I was um, picking up work when my diary when my diary went overnight. I was able to persuade some people of being able to um, uh, pivot and, and allow me to to do uh, training uh, online. For example, um, of all places, I was supposed to be going to Italy at the end of March 2020, which oh. was absolutely <laughs> the epicenter of the pandemic at the time oh in gosh. Europe. Um, and um, we were sending emails to each other saying, I don't think this is a really good idea that I, <laughs> I, I buy my flight and go to um, go to Italy. Um, and it was it was right very, very near the absolute epicenter, the actual. Anyway, wow. so we were able to um, reorganize and, uh, and, and, and do it online. And so uh, what I did at the time was I was monitoring, as I've said, I was monitoring the MFL Twitterati hashtag, the MFL Twitterers list that I that I manage, which if people want to subscribe to that, it's on my Twitter profile. Just go to my list and it's MFL Twitterers. There's 5,000 members because that's the maximum number you can have on a list, but there's over 2,200 subscribers to that list. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I was looking at the themes that were coming up, the questions that people were was saying, which is something I've always done. I've always tried to find solutions to people's questions. And so, for example, um, at the start of the pandemic, we had big issues around um, live lessons. So there were lots of state schools that didn't allow uh, live lessons from a safeguarding point of view. Everything had to be done asynchronously. 
So as a result of that, there were lots of teachers who had no idea, for example, how to use tools like Loom and Screencastify or even how to record audio in a PowerPoint and, and uh, save it as a video. And so I was, yeah, I was monitoring the questions, the themes. And as a result of that, I put together um, sort of 18 example sessions of things that I could then offer. I then shared that on Twitter, on Facebook. I contacted uh, people via direct message, people who I'd been in contact with before and said, you know, people like I would say help on Twitter and then direct messages them afterwards saying, I don't suppose you'd be interested in booking me for, you know, a session yeah. with your department. And um, in, in you know, when I would say would have done that in the past, even though they'd be very keen, the uh, senior, uh, senior leadership team or the head teacher maybe wouldn't allow the budget for that to be released. But then suddenly, as a result of the pandemic, for obvious reasons, um, people that were saying no in the past were now saying yes. And so yeah. I essentially became busier and busier and busier and busier yeah um so yeah and so still that's, kept doing yeah. all of your free webinars and yeah. arranging all of that as well yeah so. well well so so in relation to that's a, that's also a really important point so at the beginning we were doing two a week over the easter break of 2020 we were doing three a week because there was such an appetite uh, including saturdays um which were more sort of relaxed we do things like show and tells and things mm. like that which was lovely so then you know, we could harness the community. They could people could come along and do, say, a five minute presentation on X, Y, and Z. That was really lovely, I think. Um, and then um, because there were so many now, as 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 you were saying, you know, there's really something for everybody. We then decided as well with with dwindling numbers as well because of the fact that people were certainly in the UK were were teaching face to face, and therefore we we were finding that um, there was not the same. Uh, interest or, or ability Urgency, for people maybe. to come along face to face because they didn't have the the time yeah. because they were prepping for the the next day. But then the recording uh, recording views we were getting were still really good. So we were getting you know anywhere between 100 to 200 views per video, whereas some of the earlier ones had over a thousand views, for example, mm-hmm. um, which was which was uh, amazing. So yeah, so we um, uh, we yeah we've decided to sort of downsize a bit and maybe do say one a month depending on mm-hmm. on, on the need now because you know we've got 140 140 webinars there's enough right. content there to keep people going absolutely um, in the oh meantime. yeah and then in relation to um how we how we're going to go with in relation to um uh, conferences we're going to have them face to face or hybrid or um uh totally virtual um and, and also how subjects associations can survive if they're mm-hmm. not going to have um, face-to-face or some sort of way of making a revenue and are people willing to pay for uh, online-only conferences. And, and that's the, you know, that's the kicker. That's what's really interesting. So I know, for example, yeah. ACFL um, are, are charging people to, uh, for them, people to come along, which, you know, which is absolutely fair enough. I don't have a problem with that, but it's, it's, it'd be interesting to know numbers for the uh, virtual version of ACTFL compared to the face-to-face. Yeah. Um, I recently um, took part in the uh, uh, IFLTA conference, the Indiana um, mm, yes. uh, conference, and uh, there was a what was referred to as a virtual strand. So I recorded my presentation um, on my own in my uh, study on the Isle of Wight, sent it off, and uh, there were four people who also did videos um, mm-hmm. like that, and that was the virtual strand. But then I found out afterwards that they actually were recording um, lots of the sessions that were done face-to-face, um, I think 50 recordings, and they're all going to be made available 
because um, the the fee that I paid was essentially the same as if I was going there face to face. So I was thinking initially, okay, I'm paying the same fee, but right. I've got access to four videos, one of which is my own. But then I right. found out. <laughs> yes, then that I doesn't found out quite that, add up, yeah. right? <laughs> but then I found out that actually fifty of the sessions have been recorded, and they're all, so that's that's yeah. fair enough. But it, that's a really key question because, um, yeah, what what should conferences do? They don't want to go to the expense of doing a face to face thing and then it being cancelled. Right. Uh, if they do a, an online only version, are enough people going to be willing to pay compared to the face to face? If it's hybrid. The people who are doing the virtual side, I are the organisers going to be able to keep them happy? Uh, are they going to get a fair deal if they're paying the same amount as the face-to-face people? So yeah, these are all the questions. Question. Yeah, these are all questions, and um, I know just as somebody who I'm fascinated with looking forward, like looking at like like just imagining what this is going to look like, and I just really I can't yet. These are some really interesting. Um, you know, conversations that are being had. And I think also, so for my for myself, I am the president of NEL, which is the National Network for Early Language Learning. And we're a national organization, but we used to have a, a summer summit that was very, very powerful, but really drew a small amount of people. When we pivoted and went to um, a virtual conference. Now we have hundreds of people and, that have access to our network that really couldn't travel before because it is a national organization. Traveling is expensive. And so we're talking about as well as financially um, just access, you know, like why would we give up that influence of being, you know, having a virtual conference and reaching more people than an in-person and yet people crave that in-person, you know, um, collaboration. It's not the same. You know, I don't think I knew it wasn't. I mean, of course, I knew it wasn't the same, right, in my mind. Um, but when I went back to my Florida Foreign Language Association conference just a month ago and it was in person, I did not realize how much I needed that community and to actually be in that community, not virtually, not, you know, staring at 25 people at once. It's just a different experience, right? Um, And so there's that balance, like how, I wonder where we're going to find that balance. I really think that's an interesting solution with, you know, that hybrid idea. Just like in the beginning of the pandemic, we, I know, but I can't speak for you, Joe, but for myself, I was, was also pivoted to virtual trainings and I wasn't very good at it. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, like I just, uh, my uh, training style was very much in person. And then when you have a video and cameras off or cameras on and all of that, I was like, what do I do? Right. So I learned and I got better hopefully. Um, and I think the same thing, like with conferences, we're going to figure some things out. Some people are going to try some things out with PD and with conferences, and and hopefully we'll get some sort of acceptable blend of, um, you know, what to do. But but I know you attended or you presented at uh, quite a few vir- virtual conferences over the pandemic here in the United States, right? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things which um, I decided to do um, as a result of the situation that we found ourselves in was, um, as opposed to um, going face to face to different events. So um, I think my first event in the States was, um, or for for an American organization, should I say, um, the AATF was back in 2011, and it was in Montreal. 
um, because as a as a younger man, I was um, uh, I was a, an assistant, a, an English language um, assistant or monitor, as they called them in Quebec. So I I'd lived in Quebec for two years in the early nineties, and so when I saw that the AATF was having their um, their conference in um, in Montreal, I thought, well, I've just got to go. And I met Catherine Uslan for the first time. She actually introduced me, bless awesome. her. And um, and then I also spoke ACTFL, as I said, two years in a row, um, 2013 and 2014. I spoke at um, the IELTS conference or Fleet, as it was called as well, because it was, I think every four years they, they have uh, a version called Fleet. That was in uh, Boston. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, 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 I've spoken at a few events, but as a result of the pandemic, I thought, well, why don't I just uh, put in proposals for um, uh, places like Flava, for example, so the Virginia Statewide Conference, as a result of my contacts with Heidi Trude, uh, who is now the, the president-elect, I believe, mm-hmm. for Flava. And I just thought that would be great. So I've, I've spoken at Flava twice in the uh, the spring and the autumn or the autumn and the spring, um, the spring and the autumn. But yeah, I spoke at the spring one, then the autumn one. Uh, I spoke at the um, uh, the IELTS one as well. I did um, a combined session um, with um, with another teacher that was uh, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, uh, a few, yeah, um, the Global Cred um, event um, with Linda Egnatz. I've spoken at that twice. So yeah, I just tried to try to do that as a way of, if you like, um, expanding my audience, putting the word out there. Um, Offering my services uh, yeah. as well to an American audience because oh that's right as well in relation to that as well um because of my my contacts with different people I was able to um uh, do some PD five separate webinars for the Alabama World Language Association um uh, Chris Chambless who I'd met at oh yeah at ACFL. um no no uh, sorry not uh, I met at IELTS that's why I met at IELTS in. Uh, in Boston, uh, sorry, not but yeah, in Harvard. It was in Harvard. That's right, in Harvard, and we'd had a lot of fun together. We just really hit it off, and we had a lot of a lot of giggles during the time. And then um, we've been Facebook friends ever since. And then when the pandemic started, um, she had she'd always been someone that had wanted me to 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 come and do a session, but hadn't been able to get the funding right. as a result of the pandemic. Suddenly, the funding was made available, and I did five sessions with uh, with Aula, which was really really great fun. Uh, and That's so awesome. as with anybody, uh, you know, I've, you know, anyone who's creative, I've just tried to think about, um, you know, ways in which I can try and, um, you know, uh, improve my living by connecting with a wider audience. So that's 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 why I decided to try and do those things. And they've it's all worked very well. And um, I've had lovely feedback. And, um, yeah, it's been it's been great. And I'm going to carry on doing that um, as long as there are face-to-face, uh, sorry, online events. So I remember with Skolt, for example, I spoke at the Skolt conference and I see that the next one is is face-to-face. So I thought, oh, well, I can't, I can't, you know, get on a plane and come across the, the States, but um, but never mind, you know, it was what it was. And I, I was able to, in fact, one of my highlights of the Skolt was um, we had the social event on the Saturday night, I think it was, anyway, one of the evenings. And yes. we had um, uh, Josh the from Gimkit. Oh, uh, yeah. live. So we were able to see a new feature in Gimkit called Draw That about That's a drawing right. activity. And he was there playing with us all. And it was like, wow, even though it was like one o'clock in the morning, I think it was. I was I, People were saying, you've got to go to bed, Joe, go to bed. <laughs> that you know, is funny. Um, but it was Time just great zones. fun. It was great fun. It. So there we are. Yeah. I but yeah, that, that social element. I, I mean, 
lots of my friends um, I've not seen for over two years, basically, because of the pandemic. So um, uh, our equivalent of Actful is called Language World, um, and that was online uh, last year. It's normally uh, April time, so it's going to be face-to-face. Uh, March, sorry, it's going to be March. Well, it's either April or March. It's around the Easter holidays, um, or either side, should I say. So it's going to be in March, and it's in it's in Sheffield, which is quite quite away from me, but it's face to face. So it means that you know, I could I can meet people that I've not seen for for two years. It's going to be very weird, and everyone's going to it look older weird. and more haggard, probably. But you know, but uh, yeah, you can't put uh, you can't put a price on that. It's just absolutely absolutely fantastic and I you know I mean just you know family and friends well family as well I mean my 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 dad I hadn't seen him for about a year and a half and anyway so it's, I know everyone's had their own situations and touch wood we're all we've all well you know in in our family and yeah some people have had COVID but right. everyone's recovered so you know I, I I feel very lucky basically that I'm I'm well I'm okay I'm able to make a living and I'm able to talk to you Michelle today on the ah, that's awesome <laughs> I I am enjoying it. So let me, let's get down. I mean, we've been having some good conversations. I really loved getting to know you a little bit uh, better. Um, So tell me, how has what teachers been, I know you are very active on Twitter and really watching, like you said, very, uh, you know, looking at what the trends are. And like you said, in the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of, you know, Teams, Zoom, screencastify you know how do you engage you know synchronously all that sort of thing do you see any trends now that are different that you've seen coming out what are some either you know tech tools or some or even some problems or questions that teachers are that you're seeing now um that maybe you didn't see before yeah uh, great question i i think one of the big things um that i've seen uh, and lots of other people have seen as well is this idea around audio feedback which has been something that lots of people have been talking about for many, many years. But I think that as a result of, for example, the Chrome extension Mote, M-O-T-E, because it's been so uh, easy to use. And um, I think also as a result of the pandemic, the fact that you can, uh, the students can hear the teacher's voice, I think that's really, really powerful as a sort of a comforting thing. So I think that that's one, one thing that I've seen as a trend, that instead of just sticking to, say, written homeworks, people have been exploring other things. So say, uh, getting the students to create a video, um, or they can use uh, audio, uh, teachers can use audio for the feedback, or making a screencast for feedback, as opposed to marking in the traditional way. So I think that that's definitely been something which has um, has changed or something that I've seen. Um, uh, and also things like Flipgrid as well. I think that that's changed the conversation around the possibility of um, giving students speaking homeworks to do. And obviously the whole safeguarding thing and the moderation is always really, really important. So when I'm doing training, I always go through about moderation and, and, and getting um, parental permission and GDPR and all those other fun things, which one has to always mention, which is obviously very, very important to do that and to put people at, at ease. Uh, I mean, just on that point, actually, last night when uh, Florencia was talking about various um, synchronous conversation tools that she uses, we had a question from a, a, um, a teacher trainer from the UK um, saying, what about safeguarding? And, and um, Florencia gave a really fantastic answer saying, you know, I've been using these companies for, say, eight years. In some cases, it's within their interest to make sure that everything is safe and moderated. 
little professionals who are the uh, the tutors who then have the conversations with with the with the uh, the students. And I thought that was an excellent response. So I think this sort of multimodal approach, I think, is something that I've I've seen. So instead of um, just expecting one outcome, giving students more uh, more choice. So the whole, you know, the cliche of voice and choice, mm-hmm. I think, is really really true. Um, I still think that, that there are there are some people who you know can't wait to get back to the old ways, who, who hate using Microsoft Teams. I can remember seeing a number of different messages on uh, on Facebook groups saying, uh, you know, when we went from one of the lockdowns to uh, hybrid or face to face, you know, you know, thank goodness this is my last day of using Microsoft <laughs> Teams type thing. And I and I and I'm not saying that to to um, be horrible to people. And I um, I think that. Um, that's an absolutely, you know, I understand that that's how they feel, but I also think that um, the maybe the mindset of most teachers has changed as a result of having to the technology, and they can now maybe see because they've had to use the technology, they can maybe see more uh, of the value of using t- the technology. But as with yeah. anything, people are professionals; they can they can choose what works best and what um, doesn't work best. And what's also been interesting in relation to sort of themes and conversations is that certainly amongst the MFL Twitter art and then the Facebook groups I've been in is that people are trying to focus on the pedagogy and saying, okay, I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. What's the best What's tool, the right tool to do that? Yes. And I think that's that's a really, really important um, view on that or, or the right way around of thinking, in my opinion, focusing always on the learning and, the, and the, the pedagogy, not on the technology. And so because so many more people are talking about that and are aware of all these tools that, that are out there, um, people can give more precise um answers and there are more people who can give those answers so for example you'll see a thread on facebook you know what are the best tools for vocab learning or uh, more more often um, i'm getting a bit bored with quizlet what would you recommend in addition to that and then people will then you know give a whole string of different um uh, tools and people people always want it to be free <laughs> going back to the previous <laughs> right, point. Right. but that's you know it's a paid yeah. for resource it's about you know yeah. i mean I, I at the moment i'm doing some work with uh, tv Saint monde and i'm helping to raise awareness of um of their of their um on-demand platform and it is free um across the world but it so happens that in the states and in um switzerland and in china i think it is uh, then you have to have some sort of cable subscription to get it for free. So it's not officially free unless you have the, the cable subscription, which you have to pay for. Um, but everywhere else, you can just get it on demand on the uh, on the site. So uh, when I posted about this on various US-based Facebook groups, um, almost straight away, people said, this is not free, Joe. Right. And then, I, <laughs> and then I, 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 I went back to the, um, the person I've been, you know, um, talking uh, to about about any sort of issues that may come up um she gave me the official line i then copy and pasted that into the facebook group and then yeah it was all it was all okay but yeah one has to be very sensitive to these to these things but i I think that um uh people always well certainly at the moment anyway people are always looking for new ideas particularly around the uh, particularly around say culture and the fact that people Mm -hmm. cannot easily travel and so things like tv saint monde and other um Virtual journeys, as I mentioned earlier, with that, um, you know, around say Bitmojis and things like that, and virtual reality. I've been doing a few presentations on virtual reality. They seem to to tick a box because of the fact that they can do something which you can't do easily at the moment because we're not allowed to travel as easily as we were able to. 
So those Absolutely. are a few answers for you anyway. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I think that a, a lot of things that you touched on, uh, it's funny because I hear from a lot of teachers like, I'm done. I'm over technology. I'm over it. I'm going back to analog and, you know, this sort of, and I think that's a natural reaction. We, we, yeah, yeah. you know, for many teachers, you know, maybe not you and I, we've been using technology for a long time in the classroom um, as, as quite a few world language teachers, I would say, but a lot of teachers came, you know, this was not a choice and this was not gradual. Like it was sudden. You had to do this. You had to get caught up. You, you know, you really had to, and it was a struggle. I mean, it was very, very difficult. Right. Um, and now, so they went from, you know, zero to a hundred <laughs> miles per hour. Right. And now they're like, Oh, I need to go back, you know, to a more reasonable sort of balance. And I think that's what um, I see happening is that finding that balance between that technology and not, and I love what you said about, you know, making sure you focus on the the pedagogy and not the tool first. Um, and, and again, when teachers say, I want to use, you know, Flippity or I want to use, you know, Flipgrid, um, I would always just say, well, why? What is your outcome? What is it that you're trying to do with this tool? What is your goal for your students after this? Um, you know, what is the purpose of it? There's always there is a purpose there. You can find it, but you have to make sure that that's at your you know your forefront, right? Of of what it is that you want to do with that. So, um, let me ask you this: You talked about I love that the so you know my head is thinking in the future like ooh virtual reality that's fascinating. Like I want to go there, right? So I want to go there. I've seen some things lately about like chat boxes and the, and our chat bots. And like for, you know, simulated conversations, like all these kind of, you know, AR and gaming. I love the idea of gamification. I know, you know, Noah Geisel and, you know, badging and all of that kind of things. Um, that's where I love to go, you know, but not everybody goes there or as quickly. Um, well, let's, let's, let me, let me just put you on the spot. And why don't you tell me like maybe that your top three kind of every teacher should have sort of tools, like three to five. I don't, it doesn't really matter. Like a few of those that you're like, this is really great for, you know, spontaneous interaction or speaking, or this is really great for whatever. And I would have it, you know, that, that give me a couple of those for, you know, some people that are just looking for those five tools that they can use lots of different ways with lots of different variety, but they don't need to go crazy with gaming and VR and all that. Right. Um, and then maybe give us some that are like those, you know, those, those tools or those websites that are like, this is for those people that want to run with the crazy, right. They want to be on, you know, that, that cutting edge of whatever it is, you know, um, why don't you, let's kind of do that. How about that? Yeah, that sounds, I, I love that question. That's absolutely brilliant. So I will do exactly that. So start off with the the, the steady eddies, if you like, or the, 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 love tools, that. Which, <laughs> the tools which um, uh, are, are tried and tested, have been uh, proven, however, however much one can prove these things are, are, you know, good for teaching and learning, but certainly based on, say, hearsay or Twitter feedback are really, really popular. So I would say, uh, um, so for those people that are really into this, I know you're going to know these tools already, but I'm going to say why I, I like the, the tools I'm going to mention. So first of all, uh, Flipgrid, I think, has been fabulous 
for asynchronous speaking practice, for promoting confidence in speaking. I love how versatile it is, the way in which you can do so many things with it. Uh, the obvious um, way of just recording a question in the target language, being part of a grid, asking the students to record their answers, the way that you can moderate the videos so that the students um, won't be seen by their peers if they don't want to be, so only the teacher gets to see them, the way that the teacher can give um, public feedback in the sense that other people in the group can see it or private feedback, which means only that individual student can see it. The way in which you can be creative with it, the way in which you can add um, frames and stickers, how you can have a little sticky note um, as an ed memoir, which doesn't appear on the final video. So the students can make notes on the things they want to make sure they cover those sorts of really useful practical ideas. I think I love how you can um, do screen recording with uh, with Flipgrid. One of the the examples that I normally show when I'm talking about Flipgrid is to combine the screen recording with Google Earth. Go, going back to virtual reality, I'll, go, I'll come back to virtual reality I love a bit it. later. But in relation to Google Earth, one of my favorite um, features of Google Earth is on the left-hand side, you've got the little uh, dice or die officially because it's single, uh, the die icon. And if you click on that, that refers to I'm feeling lucky, right? That's what it says. It says I'm feeling lucky. And essentially what that allows you to do is it allows you to go literally anywhere in the world. You have no idea where you're going, but by clicking on that, you'll be, you know, going to, I don't know, on the top of a mountain, uh, you could be going by a volcano, you might be going to uh, the middle of nowhere, like somewhere in the countryside or in the middle of a, of a town, whatever it may be. So what I suggest that people can do in relation to that and Flipgrid is they can be recording their screen they can click on I'm feeling lucky as a whole class activity. And then they can say to the students, okay, when you're hovering above the um, the area in Google Earth, what can we see? So they might say things like, okay, I can see, if you're in a town, you might say, okay, I can see a cathedral or I can see a cinema or I can see a town hall. Or if they're in the countryside, you might say, okay, I can see trees, I can see mountains. Uh, if they're by the, the sea, you can say, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then what you do, which is the fun bit, is you then uh, hold down uh, the little um, uh, stick man, the little um, um, street view man, and you drag him over to where the pin is, where you've been taken. And if the data is available, because it isn't available if if it's very um, remote, which has happened a few times when I've been doing a webinar, which is a bit frustrating. But anyway, if it is available, although some places, like literally on the top of a mountain, you think, well, it's not going to be available there. And then suddenly you go into street view and you're on the top of a mountain. And so then once you've done that, if you can, let's say you can say, okay, so describe what you can see, describe the buildings, describe the environment. Uh, what time of day is it? What season is it? If you see any people um, in Street View, what are they thinking? Where have they been? What are they, what are they going to do? And so essentially you're doing like a web quest, but with um, real-time questions that you've got to make up on the spur of the moment based on what you can, what you can see. And, I, and, and then obviously ask the, the students to give you the answers. And that's it. But then record it in Flipgrid, so it's then saved um, uh, safely within the grid. And then if the students have access to a fast enough computer, because it only works on on the browser, it doesn't work on the on the the mobile app at the moment, they could then um, do web quests with each other in pairs. Say, I love that. I, so much comprehensible input by the teacher and output by the student, and real world application and engaging and. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Flipgrid, absolutely okay. a must. Number so flip, two. Yeah, Flipgrid. Absolutely. Yeah. So the next one I would say um, 
Uh, and this has been a question that's come up all the time. Are you working in a Microsoft environment or in a Google environment? Which is always a question I ask a school before I uh, design a session for them because it's it's normally really, really key. So uh, in a Google environment, I would say Jamboard is fantastic for collaboration, for game playing, for practicing grammar, uh, for um, conveying different types of meaning, for obviously collaborating, getting the students to work together on an activity. And then uh, if you're using Class Notebook in a Microsoft environment, you can do lots of the same things. Uh, I love how you can leave audio feedback in Class Notebook. Um, going back to you know leaving audio feedback with say Moat, which is um, uh, when it first came out, it was all about um, working in a Google environment. So Google Docs, Google Slides, Google uh, Sheets. You could leave audio com- oh, sorry Google Class, which I say you could leave audio comments anywhere that was a comment bank. You could a comment um, space. You could leave a, an audio comment, and then they've added new features. So now you can. Uh, record using what's called the moat pad and then it copies the link to the clipboard and then you can paste it wherever you want such as in class notebook but for those people that use class notebook that ability to record audio i think is is really cool along with the collaboration space along with the 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 private individual student space um and, and yeah and so on and so forth and we've done a number of tilt webinars about that as well and for those people that want some ideas on how best to to set that up um Right. Some other right. Um, whiteboard.fi is another one I would really recommend, uh, which came out uh, again at the start of the pandemic. So for those people who were desperate to try and replicate what they were norm uh, used to doing in the classroom, we say mini whiteboards. Suddenly, whiteboard.fi ticked that box. They were able to do the same thing uh, digitally, and I know lots of people really, really loved um, or still love using uh, whiteboard.fi. I love how you can. Um, take, say, a picture and push it to everyone on all their boards. So you could create like a template with instructions and a, and a box for them to write in or draw in or add a picture in to show their understanding. So that that's a really nice one. Um, uh, another one in relation to audio, as you can hear, I'm a bit of an audio fan, is called um, Quicker, which is Q-W-I-Q-R, which maybe is not as well known, but I absolutely love it. It's a uh, it's a free tool. It was designed by a science teacher in the southwest of England, and it has two main functions. The first function is you can print off a uh, a PDF with different QR codes on it. You then scan the QR code, um, which will then take you to the uh, the quicker website. You record your audio, and the link is automatically assigned to that QR code. So you can then, uh, once you print it off the PDF, you can cut it up and you can put it into uh, students' exercise books or maybe on a wall display, or you can use it for audio QR code treasure hunts and things like that. That's it's amazing. It's completely free. <laughs> yeah, it's completely free. Um, as with actually with Flipgrid as well, with Flipgrid, you can have QR codes. So I've seen yeah. um, my friend uh, Jérôme Nogues, who's um, uh, J-E-N-O-M-F-L on Twitter, and has an amazing YouTube channel called Learning with Jay. He's a, 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 a Microsoft Innovative Expert and Fellow now as well. And um, uh, he has done uh, these um, AR Flipgrid AR postcards. So you'll you'll put the postcard on the on the uh, the template, and then you scan the uh, the QR code, and the the video appears um, AR wise hovering over the top. So that's that's also really cool. But yeah, quicker. Um, for audio, individual audio feedback. But what I particularly like and what I've been particularly promoting is the uh, the second 
option, which is quicker conversations. So this, uh, what you do here is you um, you create your account, which is free to create. You then um, click on the uh, the purple circle with the two microphones in it, uh, or the two speech bubbles, should I say. You click on that. You record your audio, um, which appears at the top of the the page in a in a in a thread, if you like. You then copy the link in the address bar and you share it um, with uh, people in the chat. If you're if you're um, doing a, a remote context, or a, uh, you could do a hybrid context as well. You could share it via a QR code. They uh, scan the QR code or click on the link. They can record their audio, and it all appears in the one thread. So I'm suggesting that you could use that for uh, in pairs for conversation practice, whereby you have a back and forth recording different lines of a dialogue. You could use it in the same way as with Flipgrid. So you could record a question and then everyone records their answers. Um, you could use it maybe in a breakout room. So you, you give different links to different people in a breakout room. They then record a summary of what they've been talking about to show they've actually been paying attention. They've actually mm -hmm. been doing some work. Um, and I love the way you can moderate the conversation, which means that um, on the screen, when the, when the uh, students have recorded their audio, uh, the player will appear for the teacher, but it will say approve or delete. So in other words, the teacher can listen to the audio. Um, if the, the teacher doesn't want the other students to hear each other's audio, then that's fine. You just uh, play it. You don't have to approve it. You just have got it there. But if you do click approve, it means that anyone else who has access to that link can then listen to the audio. So you could do it either way. There's benefits um, of doing either way there. And then you can also lock the conversation at the bottom of the thread which means that no one else can then add uh, to the uh, to the thread, so it becomes essentially read only. So I think it's really really powerful, and I really like that it. And, and if you want to keep the audio for longer than I think it's three months, then you you can pay. I think it's about like a couple of dollars per per month. But what you can do is just right click the 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 audio player, and it will say save audio as, and you can download it to your. Uh, to your machine what you can't do which is a feature i'd love to see is you can't download the whole conversation as one mp3 file or one web file which would be really lovely yeah. so yeah so uh, those are a few things i've got some other other things as well i've got a presentation open on my second screen of other things i would recommend um oh uh, wheel of names is another one which i absolutely love um so if you haven't heard of wheel of names before anyone listening uh it's a it's a standard sort of name picker so you can add in text uh, and you can have up to a thousand items, which is a bit crazy, but there we are. Um, but you can also use it um, for, say, sentence starters. So you can put in the, the the different text, like "in the future I" or "last weekend I" or um, "in the holidays I." And then you spin the wheel; it comes up, and then uh, students can then say in Spanish or French or what have you, um, uh, and answer that question. Uh, I also love how you can add images as well. So I'm a big fan of the website called autodraw.com, which allows you to draw a picture, uh, hand draw a picture, and then you get different recommendations at the top of the screen suggesting what the hand-drawn picture is. So I normally draw a cat with a mouse, which is obviously hilarious. I normally draw a cat, and then it um, very badly, it always no normally looks like a bat. And then at the top of the screen, it'll have lots of different um, suggestions using artificial intelligence. So it has a cat there normally. It has uh, it has a hat. It has a leaf. It has you know various things. And I click on the cat, and suddenly my horrible drawing becomes a professional-looking piece of clip art, which I can then download, and I can then add to Wheel of Names. So you can have just images with Wheel of Names. So again, when 
you spin the wheel, one of the images will come up and then um, you can That's then have a, a I did not know that you yeah. could have images with the wheel of names. I've yeah, used that before, but I didn't yeah. know that. What I love about that tool in particular is, like you said, you just mentioned like three or four ways to use that. And that's what I love. An easy, simple tool that you can use every day in a different way, right? Yeah. So that's fantastic. I love that. And I, and I love that tip. I did not know about the images. I've never- That's okay. And another another tip great. on that on that front is um, there's a Chrome extension called Emoji Keyboard, which I've got installed. And if you use the Emoji Keyboard, you can search for, let's say, I don't know, swimming or TV or- talking to your friends on the telephone, and then you can then add them on the wheel of names. You've got, say, three icons or three emojis per section so that when you spin the wheel, the idea is that the students then could maybe have a, a race to see who can write the sentence first in Spanish, etc. Uh, when the when the answer comes up. And then you can get creative. You can use um, a Chrome extension like Tab Resize, which allows you to have multiple windows open on the same screen. So you can have multiple wheels. And then literally a couple of days ago, I got very, very excited, as you do, because <laughs> the developer um, of uh, a new tool, which I hadn't heard about, got in contact with and said, I don't suppose you've heard of spinnerwheel.com, have you, Joe? And I said, no. And then uh, annoyingly, it was about midnight, I think, at the time, or half 11 <laughs> or something. And I should have gone to bed. But of course, I then spent the next hour working out ways in which it can be used. And what's really exciting about Wheel of Name, sorry, about Spinner Wheel is that you can have up to eight wheels on the screen at the same time. Oh, wow. Uh, you can add images as well, but you can't add your own images that all take from, from Unsplash. But all the things around Wheel of Names you can do with Spinner Wheel, but you've got access, as I said, to many, many more wheels. So you don't need to have um, a hack by using, say, Tab Resize. Mm -hmm. You can just do it all within... Uh, within Spinner Wheel. So I'm, I've shared it already. There's a few people like Esmeralda Salgado, who is Botones Salgado on Twitter, and um, uh, Jane Bassnet, Bassnet J, both of whom are amazing with Microsoft Tools and both have fantastic blogs. If you haven't heard this, listeners, uh, the first one, uh, um, Esmeralda's blog is mflcraft.blogspot.com and Jane's is whatjanelearntnext.blogspot.com. And I would say... For people interested in technology and languages, those are the two best examples that exist in the UK. That's um, Another blog I would recommend is by um, a teacher, a language teacher, Sylvia Basto. That's B-A-S-T-O-W. And I think hers is fraubastomfl.blogspot.com. But if you do a search for Sylvia Basto, her blog is um, a lot about sort of research, um, evidence-based approach to languages. And there's other people I could mention, but I would say those three blogs are amazing. Uh, if you're looking for ideas around ed tech, ideas around research and ed tech, um, all of whom are are done by practicing language teachers. So those are a few ideas of maybe tried and tested it. tools, but a few new ideas that people haven't heard of maybe. That's fantastic. I think you ticked both boxes with that one. So well, I've got, I've got I more. I've got, I've got, oh. I've got, I've got more for like people You've that want to push the envelope. Right? Okay, give me your push the envelope ones. I, okay. I want to hear the really, uh, the really ones that are going to blow people's minds. <laughs> okay. So um, uh, as I mentioned, I've I've done a few presentations around virtual reality, uh, and so uh, using Google Earth in the way that I've talked about, um, using uh, AirPano as well, which is a uh, I-R-P-A-N-O, uh, that's a website which has um, 360 photos and 360 videos. So if you wanted to do, say, um, 
if you wanted to describe a photo or get the students to write about a photo, they can really explore it really, really easily. And uh, we had an awesome uh, Tilt webinar recently also about virtual reality called um, uh, 360 uh, ThingLink or it, basically making interactive um, adventures using Thing, the 360 version of ThingLink. And that was done by Michelle Worgen, who is a, a Spanish, um, uh, well, she's an English person, but she's working in Spain. She's an author and she's a former ELT teacher. And she did um, an hour-long presentation on how you can use ThingLink to make interactive um, adventures, which I just thought was amazing. And the reason I, I knew about uh, Michelle is because I saw her take part in the IATEFL conference, which is aimed at English teachers as a foreign language, which I also spoke at as well and was blown away by uh, by Michelle's session. So I asked her to do the Tilt webinar. Um, and, and then also in relation to virtual reality, there's another tool um, called panoform which is p-a-n-o-f-o-r-m and it allows you to uh, well there's two two main ways you can use it you can download one of their templates um, and then you can draw a picture onto the template with say you know crayon or what have you you can upload it to panoform it's really really simple to do and then um, it makes it essentially like um an immersive experience so you're using virtual reality it feels as if you're inside your own drawing um or what you can do is you can use storyboard that which is what i uh, have demonstrated recently with this you could use storyboard that to make a three-part cartoon um download download it as an image upload it to panoform and it's if you're immersed within the um uh, within the the cartoon so to demonstrate that i capture the screen um using another tool actually which i'll talk about in a, in a second capturing the screen turning it into an animated gif and embedding it within um uh, within my google slides presentation on that point uh one which i absolutely would recommend that lots of people haven't heard of if you like animated gifs you must check out gifcap.dev gifcap.dev because it's completely free and what it lets you do it lets you record the screen like say screencastify which also actually allows you to download as a GIF, but I prefer um, gifcap.dev. So you can record the screen, but instead of making a video, it, it makes it into a, an, an animated GIF, but a high quality one. And then once you finish recording, you go back to, to gifcap.dev, you press stop, and then you can choose the start point and the end point of a GIF, um, which obviously you know makes it really smooth if you get that right. And the cursor turns into a cross, which means you can then crop out the bits that you don't want to keep. You just want to keep the the, the bits that you want. So, for example, I'm, when I've demonstrated this, I've shown people with, say, Jamboard. If you're teaching word order, you can use the sticky notes option in Jamboard. You can do the same thing with, with um, text boxes in PowerPoint or Google Slides. You're just making the text box text boxes. You put them in the wrong order. You then record the screen while you're manually putting them into the correct order. And then you um, uh, export that as an animated GIF. So then from there, you can then import that into a new slide. Or in the case of uh, Jamboard, you can use it as a background, which means the students can't um, can't move it around. Um, so, I've, well, I've liked GIFs many years, but it's an absolutely fantastic tool for making GIFs. And at the, uh, the Language Show, which is um, uh, another big um, event that happens in London, normally face-to-face, but the last two years, it's been virtual. And I did a um, 45-minute session 
all around using animated GIFs for instruction and for uh, teaching languages. And um, if you go to my Twitter, it's uh, it's available on my on my Twitter. It's easy to find, and it's uh, many 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 examples of how to use animated GIFs. One of which, or one of the main ideas, is to use GIFCap.dev to capture um, anything uh, on your screen. So I've, I've, I'm using it all the time, particularly on say Twitter. If I'm demonstrating an example of something I was talking yesterday um, about the um, uh, the music controller that comes with Chrome. So if you've got um, let's say one or two tabs open um, <laughs> and you can't think, you know, you hear like some music or you hear a sound, you think like, where's that coming from? What you can do now is you can click on the um, the music controller, which essentially looks like three lines with a musical note on it. You click on that and it will tell you any audio that's playing in any of the tabs that you've got open. So from there, you can pause it, you can click on it, which will actually take you to the tab. So to demonstrate um, how wonderful I thought this, um, this, uh, this um, default feature was, I made an animated GIF using gifcap.dev and I shared it on Twitter, giving full acknowledgement to uh, Jérôme Nogues, who I've mentioned already, who mm-hmm. told me about it at a, uh, the show and tell that we did at the language show on a Saturday, which was also a lot of fun. We had a, an hour with di- different people doing like five minute presentations and, and sharing, sharing ideas and you always learn something new. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, so those are a few out there ideas that maybe people haven't heard about as well as some tried and tested Steady Eddie ideas as well. I love it. And all of these things you already said, you've got a PD extended um, professional development uh, webinar or recorded session of these. So tell us again how we can find that. Uh, so you said <laughs> on your Twitter is where you're going to find a lot of. Uh, okay. So on my, on my Twitter, I share yeah, lots of um, links to presentations that I've given. Um uh, on my YouTube channel are recordings of lots of things. And I'm sure in the show notes, if you're happy for me to mm-hmm. share that, I can share the Google Doc, which I put together, which has the 18 example sessions of lots of different ideas, which I put together based on the needs of what I've uh, seen people have been uh, looking for. Um, so, yeah, so there's there's everything great. there. So, so there's a lot of free stuff I'm giving away, as it were. Just follow me on Twitter, look at my YouTube channel. But if you'd like me to design a bespoke session or sessions for you get in contact because obviously uh, as I say normally I have to make a living as well and I'm I'm doing fine I don't want anyone to think that I'm not <laughs> doing okay I'm doing absolutely fine but instead of doing a thing like a you know buy me a coffee type thing that some people have done as in the the uh, the service buy me a coffee I've never done that I've just tried to you know make my own way do stuff for free as I suppose there was a way of advertising but also do plenty of paid things as well. But I'd love to hear from you if you're listening to this and you think, oh, there's lots of things there that I've not heard about and you'd like me to do a PD for your association or for your district or for an individual department, let me know and we can have a chat about uh, what your needs are and I can design something that would fit your needs perfectly. Fantastic. Well, this has been great, Joe. I've really enjoyed talking with you. I do have a question that I always ask people at the end of the podcast, and I don't think I warned you about this. I I, I keep telling people I'm going to tell them ahead of time, and then I never do. I always forget. So uh, that is one of the reasons I started this podcast is I really just like the idea of sitting down with somebody like you and just talking and just having a cup of coffee, sharing ideas, and really having a deep conversation, right? And so my question to you is, if you could invite somebody for coffee, anybody, doesn't matter in world languages, not in world languages, who would you love to sit down, have a cup of coffee with, and what would you want to talk to them about? 
Okay, that's a, that's a lovely question. Um, my honest answer that comes to my mind straight away, and this might be an obvious answer, but my honest answer is I would absolutely love to sit down either face-to-face or virtually with my best buddy from the States, Noah Geisel, because I really miss him. And we did a podcast together, um, which is still available on my uh, on my uh, on Podbean, mfltwitteratipodcast.com, uh, on, on mfltwitterati. Yeah, sorry, that's the website. mfltwitteratipodcast.com is the WordPress website which I built. It's on Podbean as well as long, uh, uh, along with many many other platforms. And I really miss having those authentic conversations with Noah. And uh, we're both just incredibly busy. We haven't fallen out or anything like that. We're just incredibly busy. And believe it or not, we've had a pandemic uh, as well <laughs> right. to deal with. So we, we the last episode we did, we did 10 episodes of the podcast. We, we stopped in November 2019, so just before the pandemic. But then real life kicked in, as it were. But I would absolutely love to um, have a chat with Noah because we just really spark off each other, but also record those conversations and put those conversations out there with more episodes of the podcast. So I am trying, I'm just trying to, you know, um, uh, tick off more of my to-do list um, and I'm working 24 seven really, but if I can find and I know likewise he is incredibly busy, but that would be an absolute dream to be able to record more podcasts with, uh, with my friend Noah, because I do generally really miss him and I love those, well, we've become friends and we've, we've met each other face to face a couple of times in the States at Actville. But we've really, if you haven't done a podcast before, listeners, I would encourage you to have a chat with them, uh, with uh, different people on a podcast because it's a, it is a lot of work, but it's just a, an amazing way to create a special connection. And that's my honest answer. So there we are. I love it. <laughs> I think that's great. So Noah, we're going to have to tag him in this post and we're going to make this happen, right? I, he's actually on my list as um, as a guest, a future guest as well. So maybe we should just get the two of you on together and we can- That would be fantastic. Yeah, right? That would be great. <laughs> so, well, I just want to say thank you again. This has been a lovely conversation. Uh, thank you for joining me across the ocean on your Friday afternoon. And I really look forward to- Uh, following you and learning more from you. So thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so much, Michelle, for the opportunity. Um, As we we talked about before we started recording, uh, we're both a big fan of podcasts. Um, I I first got into podcasts back in 2006. I think I'm right in saying I was the first English um, languages teacher who did a podcast. Uh, So really, really early days. I've loved podcasts ever since because of the authenticity of the conversation that you can have. So it's been an absolute pleasure to to chat with you um, for me this afternoon, for you in the morning. Uh, and uh, I really hope that people find the conversation useful and that they uh, they find the practical suggestions useful. And hopefully, you know, it resonates. Some of the ideas resonate with everyone. And do, you know, do stay uh, safe out there. Take care. Uh, hashtag be kind, I think, is also really important. And is there anything that I can help anyone with? Just let me know. But a big thank you to, to you, Michelle, to Wayside Publishing for Uh, putting this podcast together. Um, Podcasting is amazing. And I'd love more world language educators to to take up the reins of podcasting because it's such a fantastic experience, I think. So thank you so much for your time and for your lovely questions as well. Oh, thank you so much. joining us today in the Language Lounge. If you like what you've heard, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. And we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a review. I'd like to hear what you thought about today's episode. You can reach me on Twitter at at LangLoungePod 
or send me an email at podcast at wayside publishing.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.